she's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And, and this, this is, is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Nothing is more alive and real than an LSD trip. (laughs) (laughs) So the Friday really felt like uh, Christmas Eve almost, you know, like, let's get ready. Let's let's (laughs) all like tie up loose ends and just do the little things. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, did I just step into a cult? In the peak of a, of a strong LSD trip, structure, meaning, breakdown. In a lot of ways, I think what happened over those three days was a miniature life. So we have a second review, Julie Roxanne. Oh my god, we do? We do. Why don't you read it? Oh, this is so exciting! So the title of the review is Great Podcast, and it's by 26KD. 26KD, you rock. The review is, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the Far Out podcast during my long work commute this week. The irony, in parentheses. They are great storytellers, and I've learned something that I can apply to my own life in each episode, even though I'm not a world traveler. Thanks for sharing your stories and knowledge with the world. And he gave us a five star. He or she. He or she, yeah. I, whoever you are, thank you so much. This has made our morning and it melted my heart. Thank you, 26KD. Hey there, and welcome. Hi. <laughs> I, I wanna yeah. <laughs> at least say hi. Well, hello. <laughs> this is episode five. And in this episode, Julie Roxanne and I explore psychedelic retreats. This comes on the back of our own psychedelic retreat uh, where we took LSD last weekend. And in this episode, we explore the value of retreats in general and how to go about approaching a psychedelic retreat. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Julie Roxanne, at this point, I think we need to give all our listeners a general disclaimer Mm -hmm. that in this episode we are talking about psychedelics in many parts of the world psychedelics are illegal and we are not guides shamans or therapists what we share is only from our personal experience and it doesn't constitute advice remember you are responsible for your choices educate yourself be discerning in your practices and surround yourself with experienced guides if you need to. Oh, one last thing. We won't be publishing an episode next week as it's Christmas week. We wish you a happy holidays and we'll be back with you on the first Wednesday of the new year. Love ya. So this week is kind of a special week. We're going to talk about something that just happened and that we're pretty excited about and still kind of glowing about a bit, which is that last weekend we took a psychedelic retreat. And in particular, we took LSD, which is a substance you've never taken before. I No, I hadn't. It was my first time. And a substance I haven't taken in well over five years. And we thought that it would be a good idea to talk about this experience 
Yeah, it especially feels important to talk about it now because this feels like a very true topic to to our hearts right now. It, it's just happened and we could have talked about anything else. But like with our first episode, there's just things that are happening and that feel very important to mention. And I think it's important to follow that truth that what's resonating and what what's talking to us right now. I agree. It feels like a bit of a risky topic to talk about on the podcast and so was the first episode when we talked about the question when are you leaving mm. those these both feel like risky topics for different reasons but they're also the ones that are really really drawing our attention and really interest us mm -hmm. and i think it would be a disservice not to talk about those things that we're truly interested in in the moment on this podcast and i think that's one of the things we're trying to do every week is talk about what we're really fascinated with at that moment and what we're really thinking about, what we're spending our time talking about off this podcast yeah, yeah. in our day-to-day -day life and what's really giving us a lot of juice. Yeah, I think this is, this is a way that it sounds alive and it sounds real. Yeah, and nothing is more alive and real than an LSD trip. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I can now, I can now say I understand when you say that. <laughs> so, uh, this this podcast is actually not going to be about the LSD trip as far as the particulars of it. Mm. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it's very intimate. And two, it's something that the lessons and the insights and the the experiences are something that if if they're detached from the experience and the context, they mean very little. They turn into those kind of new age truisms and, and they're not relative, they're not related yeah. to, to where you are in your life. So going on here and just spouting about our experience, which is our experience, isn't going to be very beneficial. It might be kind of interesting, but it's not very, I don't think it'll be very beneficial. So instead, we're going to spend most of the time on this podcast talking about how to approach a psychedelic retreat. And it's actually been through a fair amount of experience that I learned that there is a right way to approach this and an absolutely wrong way. Hmm. I think that really started to present itself. I really started to realize that about three and a half years ago when I went to Peru. While I was there, I did a few ceremonies with shamans, a pair of Wachuma ceremonies, which is the San Pedro plant, uh, which is... Uh, I think it's related to mescaline, basically, mm -hmm. uh, which is a sacred plant in Peru. And I also did a three-day ayahuasca retreat with the Quechua tribe. And those were incredible experiences, partly because of the plants we took, but it was much more than that. It was the space that was created. It was that we had experienced shamans guiding us it was the rituals we did before during and after it was the reverence that mm. everyone who showed up gave to the ceremony that made them ceremonies i think in the u.s especially we can laugh at this idea of calling it a ceremony like oh that's a nice way to call it a drug trip you know but you would never hear that word drugs used in this type of context mm -hmm. And when you get there and you're on the eve of one, you realize why. It's serious and it's scary. It's you're going to meet a god and there's nothing funny yeah. about that. In fact, it's terrifying. And so there's a, the sacredness and a reverence 
throughout the throughout the prep, throughout the process, and after that makes it life changing. Mm. People have serious breakthroughs. I mean, ayahuasca is known for healing heroin addicts as well as alcoholics, and and you name it. So serious, serious things happen on these experiences, and I I really believe that it has as much to do with the space that's created as it does with what's ingested. Before even going into that process, I think we should back up a little bit and talk about why take a retreat, mm-hmm. any kind of retreat. So there's all sorts of retreats. We're leading one next year in Yosemite for 10 days. That's a backpacking retreat. It's a bit of a spiritual backpacking retreat. But I've been on over 20 retreats. A lot of them I've done on my own. So I've done solo retreats. And I've actually written a blog post that we'll link in the show notes mm-hmm. to this about how to prepare your own solo retreat exactly like nuts and bolts, how to think about it, what to do. Um, We've both done Vipassana retreats. Uh, We did one together. That's a meditation, a 10-day silent meditation retreat where you're meditating for 10 hours a day. It's very strict. And in a way, I think both of our travels have been a retreat, a a longer period retreat from a culture we lived in. Uh, And these are just a few of the kinds of retreats. And I think for me, retreats are a way to discover values give space for insights, uh, to develop self-understanding, to break patterns, to kind of be a pattern interrupt, to give perspective, to focus and develop particular relationships. All these things are good reasons for retreats. I remember when you were writing this blog post, we were talking about this a lot, and uh, I remember that we compared the need for retreats as you're walking on the path and... After a while, the walking becomes mechanic. Like you don't even think about why you're walking anymore, or if you're walking in the right, in the same direction you were hoping to, and how like taking a retreat is a way to prevent going on the wrong path for too long, and then having to put super big amounts of energy to go back on the path that is right for you. And I th- I feel like that is that is very true. It's just a reset moment, you know, like. Pfft. And trekking provides a perfect example. I think that metaphor came when we were trekking in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And we had actually gotten lost. Yes. And we took the wrong trail. And it was late in the day, and this was a mountain trail. It was, I mean, we were taking uh, trails that were Nepali flat. And Nepali flat means not flat at all, mm-hmm. mountainous. So you're going up and down. It takes a lot of work. And it was late in the day. So we were also worrying about where are we going to sleep that night because we didn't know. And... We got pretty lost. We took a left when we were supposed to go right up to the peak. Mm. And we ended up going an hour in the wrong direction with full packs. And then the trail fizzled out at some point And we realized we were following a cow trail. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, we had, I brought out my last piece of chocolate. Yeah, on yeah. That right there because we, we were like going to have a mental breakdown. And we had a, we had a peanut butter spoon. I remember that. <laughs> I was like, no, we deserve it now. Our, our, was... our two treats during our Himalaya trek that we guarded with, oh man, they, they were sacred. They were so <laughs> precious. And, and it was so important to our mental health. <laughs> Was I think we had a bar of chocolate and, that we'd have like a square from every day, and we had a small tub of peanut butter that if we had a great day or if we had a really bad day, we would have a spoonful of peanut butter, <laughs> and we had both when we got when we realized that we were lost and we were an hour in, and that meant we had to not only had we spent the energy to go out an hour, we had to go back an hour and then find our way. 
it was exhausting. It was overall, it was more like two and a half hours plus the energy and, and everything spent. And if you just imagine that's two and a half hours, but if you imagine a life mm-hmm. where you take even a small detour from what your true path is and you go on it for years, how far off can you be? Mm. You know, it, it, all of a sudden, small changes with enough time become massive. And I think this is the missed value of retreats because we say, oh, I don't have the time. That's a waste of time. Or like, man, I have so many things to do. And it seems like this is something that can just be skipped. Mm -hmm. But But when you put it in that kind of context, you realize how critical it is and how important it is to take a step back and once in a while and say, hey, am I on the right path? Am I going the right way? Am I thinking about this the right way? Are my priorities the ones I really want? Or is something else going on? You know? Yeah. I think it's it's a great time to ask questions like that. And also, it's the reason we did this psychedelic retreat a few days ago was not because we felt like we were on the wrong path and we needed to reassess. It was more, I think, well, it was a combination of opportunity and also that it allows us to reflect and to celebrate the things that we have done that we're happy about. It's like, okay, am I on the right path? Yes, awesome. You know, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, oh, so cool. I'm so proud of myself for continuing to, to be on the right, on the path that makes me feel aligned, you know? And and I think for, for this particular trip that we did, it really felt like that. It, it allows for celebration because I think that it's not just about what is wrong. It's also what is right. And let's take a moment to celebrate I think there's another, uh, there's the what is wrong, there's the what is right, but there's also the what else is possible? Mm-hmm. What could be different? Yeah. And retreats are a powerful way to explore that question too. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a trained hypnotherapist, so I spent a fair amount of time in 2016 exploring altered states of consciousness, and I realized that we just don't do that nearly enough in our cultures, and people don't, I mean... I guess we do, but there's not a lot of reverence for it. Like, uh, yeah, alcohol and other maybe more mainstream drugs will provide you with altered states of consciousness. But I don't think that we have a lot of reverence for what is possible, what our brain can do. Mainly the drugs we take are either to numb or to do more. That's true. Yeah, it's true. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how we started to prepare and when we really started to prepare. And I think the real preparations started probably, we began thinking about it seriously, probably about two weeks out. Like it started to like really be on the horizon, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the first preparations we took were about a week out. And these were actually negative preparations. And these were all kind of tricks out of the book I learned in Peru, which 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 was really my education in this kind of spiritual preparation. What we're going to talk about right now doesn't have to be for a psychedelic retreat. It can be for any sort of spiritual uh, journey. And, and I've seen it used in many different contexts that have nothing to do with psychedelics. So I think this is something worth looking at as a framework for inner exploration rather than just a framework for for psychedelics. But if you are going to take psychedelics, I highly recommend using this framework as well because the difference is so massive. It's so massive. Maybe to illustrate the wrong way a little bit, and I think we can come back to this later on 
uh, it'll it'll make more sense when we've spelled out the structure a little bit so you can see what the like you can compare them a little bit all right but the wrong way is hey it's friday night we're with some friends let's have a fun time bloop and then with no planning basically mm-hmm. and maybe there's other things involved alcohol da, 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 da. but there, there's really just no thought there's no intention it's really not about exploring yourself maybe on a on a superficial level it is but it's much more about entertainment mm. and something to do and it's just t- taken carelessly without the i think reverence for what you're doing and the respect and without that the the results you're going to have are going to be much less you're not going to you, maybe you'll you'll get lucky and you'll have a certain insight or whatnot but you're not setting up the odds in your favor and in fact you are taking a really dangerous risk because these things go both ways mm. and if you don't do the proper care you can end up in a really bad situation mentally or actually mm. and then that can just that can take you back i mean that can ruin any positive effects and also make things worse i think that's one thing that's worth emphasizing when you're doing psychedelics is that these are these are doorways into the psyche and it's not just a one-way road it goes both ways i think there is some risk of retrograde and as well as illumination Mm -hmm. in these things if they're done in the wrong way i think when you bring respect and reverence and a healthy approach to them, I've really only seen it go in a positive way, even if the experience was very difficult. But if you do it in a careless way, I've definitely seen the experience go bad. Yeah. And it can be traumatic at that point. And so maybe we'll circle back to this after we've talked a little bit about the structure. And, uh, and so that structure starts, really the first things are things we stop doing. And these are important. So in the Peruvian culture, when you're preparing for an ayahuasca experience, you go on what they call a dieta, I think. And and so basically, you're off red meat, you no caffeine, no drugs of any kind, except for prescription drugs. But really, the idea is don't take anything if you can. No alcohol and no sex, including masturbation. And this would also include porn. And so we followed that diet going into it. So for us, we're vegan, plant-based gluten-free so the no meat was uh was no problem yeah uh we don't drink much alcohol at all or barely any so that was also not a problem i did have to dial back my caffeine from i was drinking a strong cup of black tea in the morning so Mm -hmm. i brought it down to green tea and then went completely off a couple days before the experience and the thing is all these things have impacts right and they also have effects and they can the you know the more things we introduce the more kind of side effects or unexpected effects we can have when we're introducing a foreign substance like yeah. LSD or or a plant into our bodies. And also, I think it's worth thinking about these on an energy level. These things all have effects on our energy. And a psychedelic experience is really about tuning in to our energies in a really intense way. And we really just want to be kind of stable for that. Yeah, I think taking things away during that last week allowed for they allow for a return to a baseline so that your energy is not polluted by other substance. It's you return to your own baseline and then it becomes easier once you're in the experience, the psychedelic experience, to tune in with the energies that are coming in and out because there are things like that happening. Yes. And I think if you're already in touch with your with your baseline, then you can get a lot out of it. 
There's less distractions as as well. This is why no sex is a big one and a pretty important one. It's yeah. because that sexual energy is actually something that's really important about the experience. Uh, it's a part of the energies that make us up and depleting them or not letting them kind of build up or have their cycles can have a major impact on the trip and you really want to have that energy accessible mm-hmm. for the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that energy takes many forms too. I think the sexual energy can be expressed in a lot of ways that not necessarily involve sex. Absolutely. And so I think this is why it was important to to have it, to let it be and not try to free ourselves of it. And so during the trip, it was very interesting to see how those energy played out. So that does a lot to create like the physical space in our bodies, abstaining from those things. We also, so another thing I think that's worth saying is creating a physical space that you can be in for it. And we kind of lucked into this. We knew that we were going to be absolutely alone out in the forest in our caravan. What better place? Uh, So that was absolutely amazing that we had that opportunity. And uh, that was important. But it's definitely important to consider a space that you feel safe in that you're not going to be disturbed in and that that there's not going to be any surprises uh and and usually especially if you're not experienced at doing these kind of things it's good to have a babysitter or a guide of some sort that you know is taking care of the space and making sure everything is safe and so if you're not experienced and uh you're unsure that's a good idea I think one thing that was really key was having an outdoor space. I mean, having both indoor and outdoor feel so safe was very important. So we've talked a little bit about the physical space within our bodies and taking care of that. And we've talked about the physical space we're going to inhabit, both the indoors and the outdoors, and taking care of that. And we've started to talk a little bit about the mental space because a guide or a babysitter or a shaman are parts of uh, creating the right mental space. So the mental space is a lot about safety. That is the foundation that everything else is built off of. If you're not safe, you're not going to have a very productive experience. It's going to be very difficult to prod into new territory if you're feeling threatened. So a lot of this is about making sure that you feel safe in your space. And one way we did that early on, just kind of actually uh, unintentionally, was we were at the farmer's market and we both bought stones oh, that, yes. that uh, resonated with us. Mine was a tiger's eye. Yours was... Mine is an amethyst. And I don't know, we're not stone people. Like We don't worship a lot of stones or anything like that. I don't know a lot about stones, no. to be honest. And it doesn't have to be a stone, but I do like the idea of having some sort of object that can anchor you and that you can return to. A lot like in Inception. Yeah, yeah. The way Leonardo DiCaprio has his little uh, top that he spins to make sure, see if he's in a dream or not. It's a similar concept. It's something, it's some. It's a security blanket in a way or something that you can kind of return to and that is stable for you. Yeah, I think stable is, is a good way to put it. Yeah, that's important. That's some sort of talisman. Mm-hmm. It could be a sweater you particularly like or anything really. So the way we thought about the actual experience was three days, three days at a minimum. It turned out to be four for us, but it was three days at a minimum, which is one day to leave, one day to be away, and one day to come back. And if you can put an extra day for coming back, 
I think that's really important because actually the integration day, that day of coming back, is probably the most important day of the three, by far. Totally. And that is the one you definitely don't want to shortchange because that's where a lot of the the meaning from, like that's where we can construct meaning from the experience we had. So the day to go away. The day to go away is kind of a day where we're transitioning out of our busy working lives. Mm -hmm. So you and I had been working basically nonstop for the last two weeks, working on this podcast. I've been working on a blog post. It's about 7,000 words and the caravan and a lot of things because we're moving now. It's been crazy. And that Friday was a day to kind of stop. Mm -hmm. And we stopped slowly, not all at once. We did a couple like rainy day kind of projects. We did little like bits and bobs in the caravan to make it a bit more homey and that's when you made us our playlist for um for the actual day of the retreat and uh made food for for us to have ready on hand which i mean you you suggested we do a quinoa soup because it's it's uh it's like helpful it it's easy to digest mm -hmm. and uh and it's very nutritious and so i made a huge tub of it just to to have on hand that turned out to be so wonderful yes which is another important thing is food and making sure you have healthy nutritious food that's easy to digest yeah that's ready to go and doesn't need a lot of prep work and yeah. and you made a massive pot quinoa soup and it was amazing yeah yeah i actually i thought it was going to be too much but it was just the right amount because yeah. there's a lot of energy that is spent mentally and i think that the body needs a fair amount of calories but also cannot like digest too complicated things so that yeah. was that was the perfect thing to have yeah so the friday really felt like uh, christmas eve almost you know like let's get ready let's, let's <laughs> all like tie up loose ends and just do the little things yeah it was a day to disengage from our everyday life and a day to start to prepare for for the day to come mm -hmm. so then there's the day to be away which is a complete blank day and i i will say one thing about this day is that it's a very important experience or it has been for me to have part of the psychedelic experience be during the day and then transition into the night And and to have both sides of that feels spiritually important. So you have the day to be away. This is the day that you're going on your psychedelic journey. Or it's the day of intense self-introspection if you're not. This can be multiple days. If, if you're doing a meditation retreat or if you're doing some sort of personal journey that doesn't involve psychedelics, you might extend this for a few days or even a week or so. Mm -hmm. This is your time to be away. You're completely out of society out of your life. You're not engaged with the day-to-day -day concerns of your life. You are in another realm and you're exploring new frontiers within yourself. Mm -hmm. Phones off. Phones off. Yeah, electronics <laughs> off. I mean, just like no, like warn people that you're not going to be reachable. Yeah. I had warned my family that we won't. Yeah, make be, sure you, you're be... not going to be pulled out of being away. Yeah. Um, and, and allow yourself to be away. Then we go into uh, the return, which is basically, it's kind of two things. It's one, resting, uh, lots of rest, and it's also integration. It's, it's kind of bringing back what you experienced, what you explored, and bringing it back into your life. And for us, this was a two-day process, and it was absolutely critical. Yeah. I think there's a risk about being pulled back in too soon where you have a really intense experience 
but then you get just buried under life again and you never have a chance to really, you know, compartmentalize it or or put it in in places and say, okay, well, you never have a chance to make actual change based on the experience you've had. And that that's a shame, I think. And it's a, a real disservice to the experience if you're not allowed to kind of implement it into your life in some way where there's going to be some lasting change from the the work you did. And that's what the the rest days are about. So there's a few ceremonies we did during this kind of process to help us prepare mentally for the experience that we were going to have. And these have really taken on an importance for me in the past few years and all of the kind of rituals and retreats that we've done. So before we go into the three ceremonies that that we did for this experience, I think it's worthwhile to have a quick conversation about spirit, the word spirit, because we'll be using it here and it's easy to, I think it's easy to mistake the way we're using this word, the meaning we have behind it. And when I talk about spirit, I kind of talk about it in the same way that I would think of a Greek god, or at least the way I interpret that the Greeks were thinking about the gods, which was as an energy that me- that visits you, that is divine, that is feels like it's coming from outside, but it's something that's experienced within. It's a it's a certain feeling or spirit. And the actual root of the word spirit comes from Latin spirare, which is breathe, and then later spiritus, which is breath and spirit. So I think the maybe the best modern English definition of spirit is around uh, is this definition that I found, which is the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of emotions and character. And this is the way when when we talk about we talk about spirit that we're talking about it. It's an internal experience of of certain energies and emotions and whatnot. And so, really, when we do these ceremonies, we're speaking to those spirits. But if but it's. It's easy to think that we're speaking to something outside of us. Yeah, yeah. But really, we're preparing the inner, the inner realm. We're preparing ourselves to go into, you know, if you want to call it our unconscious or our subconscious or, or our higher self, whatever. It's a realm that's very much within us. I'm not particularly here talking about spirits outside of us. So the first ceremony we did was basically, it was an offering. And we did this the night before our day away. So the night before we had the LSD experience. And that night we took out two sticks of incense and we lit them both. And we basically just announced outside to the sky, to the area around us, our intention to enter this space and to enter this realm, the spiritual realm. And we left the sticks there and then uh, went inside. It really was about setting an intention because that's the power of intentions i think is it's as much for us as it is for the spirits or the whatever is not yet in us if that makes any sense it it's not outside of us but it's also not our experience at the moment the intention is for every thing involved stating our intention is what is powerful in this i think it's easy to mistake that there's an offering that's being made to a god that we think exists. Something outside. Bearded, yeah, bearded yeah. dude in the sky or whatever. But that's not really it. It's about creating that space in our own psychic world 
to say, okay, here's the intention and here's where I would like to go. Please, let's all make that work or something like that. And so it was it was a really nice first step. When we woke up on the Saturday morning, it really felt like we had entered another realm. I think of it like knocking on the door. Mm, yeah. The second ceremony that we did was about creating a sacred space, creating a safe space. We did a few things, actually. Uh, one was a tobacco ceremony, which was something that I had uh, experienced while in Peru. In that culture, the tobacco spirit is seen as a protector of evil or bad spirits. Mm -hmm. And so we basically blessed each other with tobacco smoke. In that, because you were new to, you had never taken LSD before. So I also gave you a few tips that my shaman had given me when I was taking a new substance in Peru, which was, first off, know that all spirits are there to help you in some way. And they're all there to guide you. And if you come across a particularly difficult spirit, you can ask it to leave. Mm. And then I gave you kind of a, a way of bringing that to another level if you needed to, which is if after you've asked it to leave, it does not, you can light some Palo Santo, which is a, actually it's a, a holy wood from South America, I think mm -hmm. actually from Peru. Yeah. That smells really nice. Um, and is used in these kind of spiritual practices. But if you were still having trouble, you could light the Palo Santo to uh, more forcefully ask for it to leave. And again, these are kind of, these are anchors. These are mental things, you know, so that we feel in an experience that invades your psyche and your personal being, that you have some sort of control or recourse that you can go to, something to ground you. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the difficulties in a psychedelic experience lie in the lack of control and the lack of structure. The structures and meaning that we create seem to dissolve a little bit. And I think this is why it's important to have those grounding things that can like bring, bring control and bring structure back to what's happening. And it definitely helps moving through difficult moments. In the same way, I think this is a lot like Zen uh, in that way. The Zen has a lot of strict practices. You know, for example, every day uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we have a certain gratitude saying we say before we have lunch. And if you go on a Zen retreat, there's all sorts of really odd rituals and things that you'll do throughout the day that seem really strange. And when for my first Zen retreat, I didn't get a lot of... There was no explanation why you did them. You just... You saw everyone else is doing them and, and you try to figure out what they're doing and you do them. <laughs> and it's, it can be, it's really odd sometimes. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, did I just step into a cult, mm -hmm. you know? But over time, I realized that they all had a beneficial stu structuring agent to them. They all gave space for these kind of really intense investigative practices that we were doing. It just really helped anchor me and and give me something to kind of rest on or, or lean on as I was doing these very difficult practices mm. that are, can be very emotionally intense where the spirits also visit and in in a way that's that's uh what we were doing here too is creating similar rituals or practices to give us some structure when there is no structure because really in the peak of a of a strong LSD trip Structure, meaning, breakdown. Mm -hmm. Completely. Almost completely. Yeah. As well as identity. <laughs> <laughs>
So another part of creating a sacred space, well, there, I guess we, I would say there was about, there was different levels to it. So there was the personal level and we did a tobacco ceremony for that. And then we took our uh, Palo Santo, which is the Peruvian wood. And we walked a perimeter, probably a mile. Yeah, probably. About a mile around our caravan. And we lit Palo Santo at kind of significant points along this journey. And the idea was that we were create we were kind of blessing a space. We mm-hmm. were creating a sacred space. And uh, you know, like the the pathway in and out, we spent special time on kind of creating a a, a sacred kind of barrier. And there's another trick to this, which is that it also is making us comfortable with our surrounding space, the greater space around us, and that we're probably not going to go into during the experience, but it helps us familiarize and have a relationship on that day with that space, which can be very important. And then finally, we did the same thing inside the caravan, and we burnt some Palo Santo and went around the caravan and blessed it as well. Yeah, at the end of this three-part ceremony, I really felt safe and I remember feeling like I could I could let go and and really have this experience it didn't feel like there was parts of me that were still afraid of something intruding yeah I could really just dive into it that felt really special and we did this right before we actually took the LSD this was like one of the last things we did that morning and I think what you said is really important it allowed you to let go And there is, that is such a difficult element. And that is what most of these ceremonies are about, is making us feel safe enough that we can let go and we can explore places that feel risky and dangerous and scary. Yeah. And if we don't realize that there's a psychic aspect to that letting go, that that, that there's a process for this that, that needs to be honored, you can't, I mean, you can't go or you don't want to go from your your job your you know your nine to five job into an lsd trip like that would be awful that would be terrible there needs to be a buffer zone a space some sort of transitory journey to there where you know you're away Mm -hmm. and where you can relax and release and that's what this is about is about creating that experience yeah it's about creating the space for for the experience really it's it's really all about space i mean every time we talk about retreats i do feel that it boils down to space physical mental psychic yeah so there's a third ceremony we did after the completion of the retreat so on the third day when we were returning that night we uh we did a gratitude ceremony mm-hmm. and this was the actual ceremony we did was your idea, and I really liked it. Yeah, you did. You did mention that you wanted to to do something of a gratitude ceremony, and you you asked me what I thought we could, we should do. And in link to a lot of the things we had already talked about and and experiences we had shared on the actual um, experience, I thought I would like to do a libation which is uh, something actually that the Greeks, I mean, I know it in the Greek culture where they used to pour liquids onto the ground as like a thank you to the gods and thank you to the spirits. And I think the American version is pouring one out for the homies. (laughs) 
It's probably it probably derives from the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, you do it with alcohol in the Greek yeah. culture, like mm. it's it, with wine, and that was my main idea. Is uh, it felt like the experience had been so rich and full and amazing that we I wanted to give back almost and allow for the exchange of energy between the inside of between my inside and and the outside. And so we uh, we took a stick of incense and we filled up a glass with water and we sort of blessed that water to hold a lot of gratitude and and uh, and reverence. And so we did that for a few minutes and then we walked out of the caravan and we went back to the same place where we had done all the other ceremonies and uh, we... One of us was holding the incense and the other one poured some of the liquid onto the earth, uh, saying something that they wanted to say. And we both said something slightly different and... Uh, Basically giving thanks. Yeah, exactly. Just very sharing sharing the gratitude and, and giving back. And then we just put the incense stick on the ground and, and, and left. And that felt... It gave a sense of closure to the experience, I think. Yeah. Which was important. Yeah, otherwise it f- it would have felt really hard to uh to come back. As we open up the experience, we also need to close it because otherwise um it can get it can be really easy to get stuck in it and never really come back. In a way, I think this is all, you know, a version of the hero's journey, right? That uh Joseph Campbell talks about. We we're leaving into an unknown realm, the unconscious, whatever, whether, and, uh, you know, we're going through kind of an adventure, slaying some dragons, mm-hmm. and then coming back with the boon or the gold, the treasure that we found, and trying to bring it back into the world, and it's a, that's, a, that's a circle, mm-hmm. and very much, I think of the journey as a circular one. In a lot of ways, I think what happened over those three days <laughs> was a miniature life, you know, and 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 what I mean by that is that we went through such a journey. You know, when you do these stages in this in this way, it becomes a very intense and sincere journey. Mm-hmm. From when you start to abstain and prepare, the rituals you do, all these add a certain significance to what you're doing that wouldn't be there. Otherwise, we're creating that. We're creating that sincerity, that intentionality, that significance for the experience. And this goes back to when we were talking a little bit earlier about the wrong way to do it. And the wrong way to do it, in my opinion, and I've done it this way, is to do none of that. And then there is no sacredness to it. And if we don't work to create that within ourselves, it won't show up on the experience. Mm Mm-hmm. And the difference in the insights, the understanding, the general value of the experience is incomparable between the two approaches. I think in our culture, because psychedelics is such a taboo, if you do get them somehow, if you do manage to get them, you just take them because you have no model, you have no teacher, there's no ritual, there's no process for this, It's there is no space for this. Mm-hmm. And so you end up trying to sneak it into spaces and that can create really damaging dynamics and Peru was really the first time where I saw this done in a culturally accepted way with experienced shamans 
And when taught to do it in that way, it's an absolutely sacred experience. It's a very serious and very special experience. Mm-hmm. And it can cultivate major, major gifts in, in self-understanding, in understanding reality around us, in realizing what's important. All this stuff it has such amazing benefits done in that type of setting. And as someone who's grown up in the, the U.S. and gotten into this in his own way with no real teacher, it's a real tragedy that we don't have anything like that, that we can't teach people how to use these things in what I, I guess I would say is a much more productive or enlightening way or yeah. valuable way. Healthy too. Yeah, definitely a much healthier way. I feel really lucky that this is how my first experience with this went because I haven't had experiences with a lot of psychedelics in my life. And this retreat that we created for ourselves was in- immensely, immensely valuable. And I'm really grateful for the way it happened. And I think there's a lot of psychological things that can happen that, that just that really have a lot of value. It's been very liberating in a lot of ways for me. And I think... It's it's cool to be able to, in our own way, share a little bit about that and hope that maybe it can have people think about retreats in general, but also just retreats with the help of psychedelics, because I think there's a lot of beauty when it's done well. In a way, what I think psychedelics help us do is when done in a complete way with the proper rituals and preparation and integration, is it allows us to have many lives each one is a journey and each one feels like a life lived almost and it gives us a certain wisdom that because there are elements of each journey that are as close to birth and death that I've ever come in my conscious life and having these contained many lives builds up a certain wisdom in life that may be hard to attain other than living a life Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us grow. Also, you can find the show notes for this episode at thefaroutpodcast.com. And if you'd like to contact Julie Roxanne and I, you can email us at host at thefaroutpodcast.com. That's all for now. Toodles! <laughs>